We're going to start off in Acts chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4. Can you hear me okay in the back? All around. In between and in the front. All good? Hallelujah. Thank you. I hope this word is an encouragement to you and touches your heart tonight as it did mine. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. One heart and one soul. Sometimes it says one mind. This morning I want to talk to you about being in unity and the importance that it has in our faith. Being unified in Jesus Christ and how important it is for our faith. As Christians, it's important to be in one accord. Amen, saints? One heart, one mind are vital to our individual Christianity. Think about yourself. If your heart was one way and your thoughts and mind were a different way, are you not a confused person? Are you not struggling? This is not what the Lord wants of a saved person, a a person who has taken on the name of Jesus Christ, who is born again. They want their heart. He wants your heart and your mind to be unified. Unified together, but unified with his thoughts and his heart. Saints, likewise for the church, the body of Christ. He wants the body to be unified with him. He wants the body to be in one mind, in one accord, in one heart, unified for his purpose. The church is not made up of individual hearts and minds in the sense of I can do what I want to do and I can do what they want to do and he can do that. Feel free to do this. Feel free to do that. Dive into that. Pick whatever you want to pick. No, Jesus says, I am one. I am one. He has a purpose. And the church, the church's heart, the church's mind should have a purpose that lines up with him. Amen? We're going to talk about that tonight. It's on my heart for this congregation for this body, that the Lord's Spirit be poured out upon us. I want the Lord's Spirit to be poured out upon us, the church, that we as a church can grab hold of Jesus, grab hold of him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with our hands, with our legs, with our bodies. We can grab hold of Jesus, that we can help reach the lost around us, that we can help preach his gospel with power and authority to those around us. This is not my heart, saints that our lost friends, our lost families can return to him and fellowship with us. It's a heart. It's on my heart. It's a purpose for me to reach those friends we've lost, those children we've lost. It's a prayer of mine. I want it to be a prayer of us for Jesus Christ, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through this place for our help, healings and miracle work, strength and discernment, prophecy, tongues, that they flow through this place that they reach each individual from the back corner to the top of this balcony all the way to the front pew here that the Holy Ghost is in you and inspires you and is flowing through you. It's on my heart, saints. I want to win souls to Jesus Christ. And we have a new generation of believers, the younger people here today. I want you seeking the Lord with all your heart. Maybe some of you haven't heard. I'll share. Pastor Brian felt it was important to share. If you were at tent meetings, I'm on board. I have left my job as a Friday afternoon to help the church out. That's glory to the Lord. And I do that because I want to show you I'm on, I'm on point. I want this church to survive in Jesus Christ. Younger generation, are you with me? Brother Bob, Brother Brian, and others me. Can you serve the Lord with me? 
Can you be on point with the Lord? Can we be unified in heart and mind with Jesus Christ together? For what purpose? To win souls, to be edified, to see miracles, to have discernment, to have judgment. Amen? Hallelujah. God is so good. Something that prevents this, something that stops this in the church, something that stops this in your own life is not being in unity with Jesus Christ. It's having a different mind than Jesus had. It's having a different heart than what Jesus purposed. It stops. The Lord doesn't come around that. The Holy Spirit puts on the brakes and stops before you. We can't expect prayers to be answered if our heart is not right with Jesus Christ. We can't expect the Holy Spirit to move if we're not unified with him and each other. If brother is against brother and sister is against sister, how will the Lord move? He'll stay away. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want the Lord to work and move and be on fire in this place and in your hearts. Acts 4.32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Some of your translations might say the number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. All the believers were in one heart and mind. Not some, all. All the believers were united in heart and mind. This is a picture that the gospel is showing us, God's word is showing us of what the church should be. This is how the church should look. When, when, if Jesus looked at this congregation this morning, other congregations across the community this morning, across our nation and the world, does he see a body of one heart and one mind? All in one accord? In the Greek, one heart and one soul speak on this. The heart speaks of what one believes. What's at your core? What's your belief system? Everyone has sort of a belief system at their core, at the center of their heart. This is what I truly believe. At the core of your heart, what is your belief system? It's the center of you. That word heart speaks of the center of you. What's at the center of your heart, of you this morning? What's at your center? You can answer that question. I want to remind you, you can say what you want to say, but God sees. God knows. God knows the truth. You can fool me today. You can fool others around you today. At what's at your core? You can't fool God. What's at your core? The soul, it speaks of your mind. It's your way of life, your thoughts, your words, your actions, where your eyes go, where your hands go, where your feet take you, where your eyes looking at. This is the soul of man. There's their words they speak, their behaviors, their mannerisms, how they look, how they present themselves, what they think is cool, what swag they have. This is all about the soul, the mind. And you see, Jesus says those two things should be lined up. Those two things in your life should be lined up. Your heart and your mind should be lined up. Lined up to what? To what I want? To what Ben wants? For myself? Or maybe you say, hey, a young person might say, well, I have to line up to what my parents want. You may say, I have to line up to what the, parent, what the pastor wants. While I'm at church, I'll, I'll do my due diligence to dress appropriately and talk appropriately and, and, and worship appropriately. But when I'm on my own, I can feel free to do. That's not what the Lord wants. That's not what the Lord wants. We'll see later, that's a divided heart. That's a heart that's divided. It's not sure what it wants of itself. I want to tell you, Jesus is not divided. 
The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are not divided. They are unified together for one purpose, to reach the hearts and minds of all men. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen? You should have a heart for the Lord, but a mind that is not of the Lord. You should have a mind that speaks of the Lord, but a heart that is distant from the Lord. Do you recall the scripture? On judgment day, men said, but we have healed in your name. We have cast out demons in your name. Do you remember the response of Jesus? You have served me with your mouth, but your heart was far from me. They went into judgment. Eternal damnation. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that your mind and your actions and your behaviors and your heart line up in accordance with Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. Hallelujah. God's word is good. Amen, saints? I hope you can be encouraged this morning. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. Our Savior, Jesus speaking. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. By your mind, by your soul, what you do, your behaviors, your actions, you'll be justified and you'll also be condemned by them. What you do in yourself, what you do for the church, what the church does. Do you know, saints, the church as a whole can be judged according to their actions and their behaviors. The church, our body, this congregation can be judged by the Lord according to our actions and our behaviors. Are we unified in Jesus Christ? Prior to this, verse in 37, starting in verse 35, we see this. Jesus again teaching, A good man, out of the treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. A good man, from his heart, your heart will bring forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, for that every idle word that men may speak, they will give account for it in the day of judgment. And again, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It's a big deal to Jesus Christ. You may say, how important is the church to Jesus Christ? Well, by the actions of your church, by the actions of you participating in your church, you're going to be judged on those things. That's pretty sobering. By your behavior in this life, that's what you're going to be judged on. I want to remind you, you can hide it from your parents. You can hide it from your friends. You can hide it from your pastor. You can hide it from other church members. You cannot hide your heart from Jesus Christ. He sees, he knows, and he will judge accordingly. What is your defense? Unity and love and being unified with him in this life. And the years that he gives you, the years that Jesus gives you, that God gives you, are you taking advantage to be unified fully in heart and mind with him? It's from our heart, it's from our core, our core belief that you act and speak on from as Jesus taught. Your words come from your heart. What is the heart saying? Your actions will start leading that direction. Amen, saints? This is what Jesus taught. It matters to Jesus how we walk and talk. And especially, it matters to Jesus how we walk and talk with each other in the body of Jesus Christ. 
It matters to Jesus. Let me say that again. It matters to Jesus Christ how each of us here today interact with each of us. It matters to him. He holds you accountable for how you deal with each other. It's pretty neat. It's pretty amazing. And it can be sobering. It can be sobering. It matters to the Lord. The apostle Luke writes in Acts 4 that all the believers were of one heart. All of them. They had one soul. They had one mind. How they acted and spoke and treated each other were unified in Jesus Christ. You may say it's impossible to do that. It's impossible to do that, to be unified as a body. Well, we see in Acts that it happened. So it must not be impossible if you believe the word of God is truth. It can happen, saints. You may look at it as intimidating, being of one heart and one mind with another person or another group of people. I'm going to share with you. If you don't know this, I think 99% of you know this about me. I'm a twin. I'm a twin. The twins out there? There's no twins out there? There you are. But to the twins out there, you know what it means. How many times have, I'll just, since it's a weak cry, I'll just say this about myself. How many times people have come up to me and said, hey, can you guess what your brother's thinking? (laughs) I want to, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, but can you guess what I'm thinking? (laughs) They always want to ask, can you, do you know what your brother's thinking? See, twins, twins seem to, seem to put on this power that they know each other's thoughts, that they, whatever they're, they're doing, I know exactly what the other, what he's doing. There's this perception that we know. You know, it may be annoying at times. You're always having to be together, always having to share things, share clothes, share bedrooms, share toys, share friends. You share everything as a twin. You learn to share. This is what we do. It only was till I got stronger and taller and more broad that I got to have my own clothes. No, my brother's great. But we share everything. But with that being said, having one heart and one mind, even twins don't have one heart and one mind. We're each individuals. Maybe identical twins, they have a little bit of a better. Maybe if you ask them a color, they, they might say blue and might, might say red. Hey, they're in the ballpark. They're talking about colors, right? They're there. If you ask them what they thought, maybe they both came up with a color. That's pretty close, but it's not what God wants. Being close is not what God wants. God wants the whole being to be unified in heart and mind. The reality is wonderful changes happen when we're born again. See, being related, sharing a set of genomes, identical twins share the same set of genetic material. You know, I'm a fraternal twin, so I have two different sets of genetic material. It's one sperm and one egg, one sperm and one egg, and there's a person made. Identical twins have one sperm and one egg, and from that, two people are made. They share the same genetic material. Here's a little tidbit for you, Tafe, speaking of twins. If you ever see a boy and a girl twin, they're not identical. (laughs) That's my medical advice for the day, so you know. Don't Don't ask a boy and a girl twin, are you guys identical? Don't do that. Look smart, look smart. See, I can share, I, you can look smart now when you talk to a set of twins. They're fraternal twins, but they each have their own mind. They each have their own heart. Identical twins, even though they share the same genetic material, they may look very, very similar, if not the same. 
guess what? They share, they do not share the same heart and the same mind. This is something Jesus has given all of us. What a blessing. What a blessing. You talk about being individualistic. Is not our God a God of identity? Does not he care about your identity? Does not he care about your individuality? That even though a person may share the exact same genome, the genetic material that they have with another person, they still are their own individual heart mind. That's amazing. The world says, I want to be individual. God started it first. God was the first one to make us each individual. Each have our own identity. And you know what he said? Be free with your own identity. Except, let it be unified with him. Amen? Hallelujah. The reason Christians call each other brother and sister is because we're unified in Jesus Christ. You ever wonder why a church, why do they say brother? or Why do they say sister? I know my kids, we laugh about it because they'll call my neighbors brother. <laughs> hey, Brother Wally. It's like, it's a great witness tool, actually. You tell them, hey, this is why we do that. But you know what? We call each other brother and sister. Hopefully that reminds you of why. Because we're unified in one accord with each other. This is what Jesus desires of us. Siblings, even identical twins, have different hearts, right? It's a rebirth, a realigning of our genomes in our body that happens when we get saved. There's a spiritual realigning of our spiritual genome that says, you were once your own, you served yourself. Now you've been unified and had the same, if I can say this, genetic mindset that Jesus Christ has. To win souls, to preach the gospel, to share to the lost, to have the Holy Spirit working through you. You can have what Jesus has. You can have the mind of Jesus Christ in this life by being born again and being filled with his spirit. It's what God wanted from us, saints. It's what God wanted. I see people all the time. They are in, people might say, boy, having that is, is discouraging. Having that can be intimidating. If you're new to the gospel, you may be thinking here today, boy, having someone involved in my life and in my business and in my in my in my daily activity and telling me and talking to me and being, telling me what to look like and what I should listen to and parents being involved and friends being involved and pastors being involved. You may think that's intimidating. Always someone checking on you. Always someone telling you what's right, what's wrong. It may see, feel like, especially as a young person, I got to have some, let me, let me figure it out. Let me have time to make sense of this, right, saints? Leading a private life, tithing, prayer, going to church, participating in church activities. You may think that's overwhelming. I got to have some free time to myself. But I want to tell you, this is the radical change that God does in a human heart. This is the radical change that he does. He places the lonely in families. This is what he wants. He wants you to be a part of a family. Understanding this helps you understand what the church is about. Understanding that though you have your own identity, though you have your own mind and your own heart, being unified with other believers is what God wants of you. What God wants of you. What God wants of you is to be unified in your heart. You may, you may think familiarity may breed contempt. Being around Christians, oh, I can't be around Christians. I, gotta, I can only come to church once a week because being around church too much just causes me too much frustration. I can't let those people be involved in my life too much. That pastor, he wants me going to church and church activities and tithing and giving what I can. And ah, I just, it's too much for me. 
A close, you know what content means? Breeding content? It means a close association with someone or something leads to a loss of respect for it. Since we can't let closeness lead to a loss of respect for each other. We can't let, because God put us in a family, start to lead a loss of respect for the church. Just like you've been placed in a family. Wife, you can't lose respect for your husband. Husband, you can't lose respect for your wife. This is not what God wants. Saved or unsaved, you can't lose respect for your spouse. God wants them unified with him. Child, you can't lose respect for your parents, though they may seem to put a lot of pressure on you. They may seem to always be telling you what to do, dragging you places. God wants you to love your parents. Honor your father and mother. He honored his father. That was his heart. If his heart is in you, young person, then you will likewise honor your father and honor your mother. Amen? This is what God desires of us. You may think it's too much. God did not think so. I'm going to encourage you today. You may think it's too much. God does not think church, loving each other, going the extra mile for each other, working together for each other is not too much. It's not too much. This is what a unified heart does in Jesus Christ. He expects this of us. This is the radical change that God did. He placed us in a body. Alone, on our own saints, we can't accomplish it. We can't do it. If you're here today, I can't do it. You're right. I'm going to agree with you on that. You cannot do it alone. You can't understand his word. You can't understand the Bible. How many of you, before you were saved, opened the Bible and it didn't make sense? What is all this stuff? What is all this stuff? I don't understand it. But the moment you got saved, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him will not die, but have eternal life. Did that not ring home to you? I have a new life in Jesus Christ. Old things have been passed away. Behold, all things are made new. This is what happens when Jesus Christ changes a person. There's a radical change. The individuality of them serving self becomes this. I want to serve others. I want to help the church. I love others. I love the church. Alone, we can't do it. Christianity can make us, make us, can make it, Christianity can seem constricting. It can seem impeding on our private life. It can seem even overbearing. The church can seem overbearing. But in Christ, we have a new heart, a new vision, a new heart, and a new mind of understanding. I want to ask you this morning, is your heart and mind aligned with God? Is your heart and your mind Align with God's heart and mind. One test to know this is how do you love the church? One test. There's many tests. Today I want to ask this question. What is your love for the body of Christ? Are you passionate for it? Are you there for it? Are you there for others? Are you there for your pastors? Are you there for the community? Are you putting everything in that you can? Your time, your effort. Jesus Christ did. Is it too radical? Is it too much? Brother Ben, that seems like so much. That seems like so much. I'm going to remind you, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. How much are you willing to let go? Luke says that Christians were of one heart and one mind. 
This is a must for a church to be successful, for a church to be in Christ, for our church in 2023 and beyond to last. From one generation to the next, the generation must be in one heart and one mind. I want to see salvation, as I mentioned. I want to see salvation here, saints. I want to see salvation in this community. I want to see our friends and family who are lost and walked away to be reborn and saved and unified and Christ working. I want to see this place filled with the gifts of the Holy Spirit working daily in our lives. Recall the heart of Jesus was for his followers to wait in Jerusalem. Remember that before this in Acts? He told them to wait in Jerusalem. There's something for you. The Holy Spirit will come. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You can turn there quick. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. One accord means they were in one mind. It really speaks of having one passion. They had one passion. Their passion was unified. It was unanimous. Ten times in Acts, this verse is used in one accord. And most often it's used to talk about the church. And every time it's used, almost every time it's used, when it says they were one accord, the next few words are some miraculous thing that happened with the Holy Spirit. When they were in one accord, the Spirit was free to move. Do you see how important it is to be unified together, to love each other, to support each other as a church, as a congregation? All the way from, from like I said, the top of the balcony to the baptism tank behind me. So Court Street Road to, two, to 298. All in one accord. Unified with him together. When that happens in the early church, when they were in one accord, the spirit moved. Things got done. Thousands came to Jesus Christ. Thousands. In that time, what does the Lord have for us? What does the Lord have for you when you're in one accord with him? Who will you reach? What walls will you break through? What will you overcome when you're in one accord with Jesus Christ? I tell you, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If our Bible is the compass and Acts is a record of how our church should be, Shouldn't we work and strive to be in one accord? Shouldn't this be an effort that we do, saints, to live together, one passion, one mind, as Christ leads? Now I know you say as Christ leads, well, Brother Ben, Jesus hasn't told me that yet. I'm waiting for him to tell me to be in one accord. Maybe you have that on your mind. Well, I haven't. He hasn't told. You don't know what I've been through, brother. You don't know what I've been through. I'm going to wait for him to tell me. I want to I hear it from him first. Can I challenge you? I don't think it was Jesus that came down from the throne to witness to you. I think it was another man or woman that, had, that was in one accord with Jesus Christ that shared the gospel with you. Here's the irony. God uses men and women to reach other men and women. You may say, I want to hear it from Jesus Christ. Well, if God came down and talked to me, then I'll believe it. Maybe God is talking to you through these words. God uses men and women to reach other men and women. This is what he does. Why? Because working together keeps us humble. 
Hey, if I heard from Jesus Christ, then I know he's alive. I know he's real. Hey, this is awesome. I heard you heard from Jesus. Don't tell me anything. I heard from Jesus. But when you hear from another man, you have to really humble yourself. Do I believe this man? Do I see a change? Is his heart unified? Is his mind changed? Then you start to believe. Look at the change in this man. God must be real. Look at the change in this woman. She never talked like that. God must be real. And you begin to humble yourself. Why? I want what they have. How do I get that? How do I behave like that? Being unified with Jesus Christ, being born again. How wonderful the camp meetings were, amen, saints? Those who came, what is it? wasn't it such a treat? The Spirit came, and we all came. No one drives 40, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it takes. No one drives that long to be separate. You're driving that long to be in one accord. Were we not driving that long to be in one accord and expecting the Lord to meet us? And did, he, did not he meet us? It's amazing, saints. If you practice what the Bible says, you can get the same results. It's amazing. You take a scripture from the Proverbs. A soft answer turns away wrath. Next time you're in a little battle, give a soft answer. See what happens. There's a scripture I love, and I applied it to my heart, and today it's so true. He who wants friends must first be friendly. How many young people I've heard, I don't have any friends. My response to them now, because I have challenged this, and it's worth to say, well, how many times have you been friendly? How many times have you reached out? How many times have you been the one to reach out? Look what happens when you reach out. The Bible says he who needs a friend must first show himself friendly. You want friends? You be friendly. You want Jesus Christ? You humble yourself and ask him to come in. It's amazing what happens. It starts with each of us. Singularity. Putting us, putting on us the mind of Jesus Christ. The heart of Jesus Christ. Loving the church. It starts with you in your heart. It starts with you. I said Jesus was all about individuality. It starts with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to see you move. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Speaking of this individuality. How am I doing, saints? Okay? I don't want to put you to sleep on a Sunday morning. I want to invigorate you to serve Jesus Christ with all your heart. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we see this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, let me pause there for a minute. If you're here today and you're not born again, you're wondering what's this thing in Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're with a friend or you saw a change in a friend or you're watching online. By the way, welcome to those who watch online. Sorry I'm late getting to you. My apologies. But if you're watching and you haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Look what it says here. Look what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, look, you will be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see the singularity here? Look it. If you confess with your mouth, with your mouth, you have to do it. You have to confess with your mouth. And look what will happen. You will be saved. Paul says, for with the heart, who believes? The heart believes. And with the mind, their actions, confession is made. 
with the mouth, their behavior, confession is made. Their life will change. Whose life change? The person who made a commitment to serve the Lord. You see the singularity there? It starts with you. How committed are you to be on fire for Jesus Christ? How committed are you to give, surrender all, all to Jesus Christ? How committed are you to love his church? I reminded you at the start, God is watching. We will be judged in how we respond to each other. By the way, that's the church. The called out ones assembled, those love. Jesus Christ said, love each other as I have loved you. That's the church. Believers are church. Believers, amen, saints. We have singularity. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to make up in your mind that you're going to do it. When our minds and our hearts are not uniform with Jesus Christ, when a mind believes but a mouth does not confess, that's an ugly picture, is it not? I know in my own life, I believed in my heart but have missed professing Jesus Christ to a lost soul. Oh, doesn't that burn? Doesn't that convict you? Oh, you should have said something. Jesus laid it on a platter for you. The Holy Spirit gave it right there. Hey, Ben, how do, why are you so good? How can you be so good? And maybe you get nervous. Oh, my parents raised me well. Oh. Ah. You walk away. Parents raised you well. What kind of... Jesus. Jesus changed your parents. Jesus changed you because of your parents. They taught you. They led you. Train up a child in the way he should go. Right? then you, I, had to make a choice. I want to serve Jesus with all my heart. Hey, Ben, how are you such a good person? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Amen? When they're not matched, same way with the other way. If someone comes to church and praises and worships and lives, look at this guy. He's so on fire for the Lord. Then he goes out. Sexual immorality, fornication, mouth is out of control, eyes are looking at all the wrong things. What do you think of that heart? It's hypocrisy. If you see that, what do you think God thinks of it? Oh, it turns away God. His spirit does not want to be there. He does not want to be around. What is your mouth saying? What is it saying? Is it saying negative things about other believers? Oh, that brother, I just don't want to talk with him or I get angry. If Jesus examined that patient, let's, let's call that a patient. I'm, I love medicine. Let's call that a patient. If Jesus was to examine that patient, the patient says, I, I just don't want to talk to that brother. I can't associate with the church too well. What might be the first thing he looks at? Would it not be his mind, his head? Wouldn't Jesus look at his head? When Jesus examines the patient, he might look at their, their mind. What do they look like? What is, your, what is your mind looking like? Why? Because your mind tells you about your heart. It was Martin Luther King junior who said the most segregated day in america is sunday morning Do you remember that he said that you might see that quote it's the sunday morning church service why because all week long you work with other ethnicities you work with all kinds of people men women black white native american whatever it may be you work with people from different church catholics methodists pentecostals you work with them all week long but then when you decide to go to church you decide I want to go to the Italian church. Or I'm going to go to the Polish church. Or I'm going to go to the white church or the black church or the Native American church. This is why Martin Luther King said it's the most segregated day of the week. See, God changed us 
not to interact and be around people during the work week and then in church decide where I want to attend, where it fits me the best, where I feel most comfortable, where the pastor challenges me just enough to my comfort level, but not anything more. Don't go too far. I'll find another place to go to church. That's not the Lord's heart. In fact, 1 Corinthians, I believe it's twelve eighteen, says this. God places those in the body as it pleases him. Who? Him. Not me. You see, when your heart's unified with Jesus Christ, when you're placed in a body, you're happy with it. Why? Because he's placed you there. He's placed you there. He's placed you there. Amen, saints. And I want to encourage my young people, if your parents fought and struggled and prayed for where to go to church and God placed them there, it's probably a good church. It's probably a good church. Spend time praying, not so much, where should I go to church? But Lord, now that I'm in church, what can I do for you in this community? Look at if the Lord wants to bring you to a different church, he will let you know. I have all sorts of confidence that the Lord will lead you in that way. Do you? It's all based, it cannot be based on our comfort level. It cannot be based on our work or our money. It has to be based on Jesus Christ. It's dangerous ground when a patient says, oh yes, I have elevated risk for heart disease. Going back to that, another patient's. If a patient says, I have elevated risk for heart disease, I know my family history dictates it. My grandpa had a heart attack at 60. My dad had a heart attack at 60. My uncle had a heart attack at 60. Guess what? You're in line for probably having around 60. Sounds scary, but a heart attack. That's what, that's what it tells us, right? And you might say, hey, that patient might say, I don't eat right. I don't exercise. I know I should see my doctor, but I just don't. You're right. I need to follow up, he might say, when you talk to him. You, I need to follow up with a doctor. I have to tell him about my family history. I have to let him know that I've not been doing well in my diet and exercise regime. And you know what? I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. You know what? Maybe that person will say to me, I'll see him in the office. You know what, Ben? I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know what? Even if, and everyone hates this, taking prescriptions. Who wants to be on a prescription, right? Arr. Even I feel that way, to be honest with you. I'm always like, should I give this out? I don't know. It's scary. But that person might say, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do, have my life limited by a prescription in some way so I can prevent this disease state. Right? We're willing to do that. The response should be, great. Let me follow up with you. And that person walks away meaning to do it, saying they want to do it, but they never follow back up. They never return. Would you say they truly care about their life? Would you say they truly care about the disease that could be growing in their body, unaware to them? Something that's happening internally that they don't even see or know about? Do you think they really care if they just walked away and went on the rest of their life playing, working, making money, and never getting help, never changing their diet, never changing what they do for exercise? You might say, that guy's crazy. Seriously? He knew. You know what happens when you don't change? At some point, you die. You know what you think about when you die? He knew better. He knew better. He could have prolonged. He could have, he could have helped that stage out. He could have done everything he can. Now, if the Lord, we have an appointed time to die. That's in the Lord's hands. But we also have opportunity in this life to make our lives better. Through exercise, through diet, Right? through meditations, through seeing your doctor, well, that translates right to our spiritual walk. 
what have you been doing for Jesus Christ? Oh, you know better. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. But then when you walk out of here, no change. Then you're going to die someday. You know what Jesus is going to say to you? Seriously? You knew better. This is how we don't want to be, amen, saints? It's a, I'm, being, I'm being sort of serious on, for, on purpose. I'm being sort of sobering on purpose that I want to feel, you to feel the gravity of our decisions, our, our not being in one mind and one heart with Jesus Christ in the church. It's, the big, it's a big deal to Jesus Christ. You might think, what's the big deal? I have some feelings or beliefs. That, that patient may think, I have some feelings or beliefs that I want to do on my own. Maybe in the church you've been offended or hurt. Or maybe it's simply I have a preference for doing some things I want to do in this life. Let me live the way I want to live. But again, if we were patients of Jesus Christ, our great physician, and we know that offenses and bitterness prevent us from working with Jesus Christ, what's the worth of holding on to them, saints? What gain is there to hold on to them? What gain is there not to move forward in Jesus Christ? If your prayers have not been answered and you're growing discouraged, what gain is there to you to hold on to that discouragement? What gain do you have in Jesus Christ? Amen? Something to think about. Young people, you may think, I'll give Jesus room in my mind, but my heart, I don't want to be tied down to a church just yet. It may look weak to your friends. It's like taking meditations. Maybe you think taking meditations is weak. I want to urge you not to look, not to, I want to urge you to not look different. Not, I'm, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The world wants you to look different and to be different. I want to urge you that look the same in Jesus Christ is okay. I don't know if that came out okay. Looking the same with other believers is okay. Does that make sense? It's okay to, hey, I go to church. Yep, we all worship the Lord the same. We all listen to the word the same. I study my Bible just like my other brothers and sisters. I'm dedicated to him. No, I don't want to do that because I want to serve the Lord. That's okay to be like that. That's normal Christianity. I was young once. I wanted to pick my friends. I know a friend told me one time I worked with, Ben, you'd be so much fun to go out with. Just come out with us. You'd be so much fun to go out with. You'd be so much fun. Oh, that's enticing as a young person, having that sort of pride lifted up. Oh, I'm a fun. That'd be fun to hang out with Ben. He'd probably do some fun things and say some fun things. But you know what? I had to tell him, Jesus Christ, Actually, when I told him, it'd be so much fun for you to come to church with me. <laughs> that did not go over too well, but. but that's okay. The Lord helped me, right? He helps you. Your challenge as a young person to make your friends, to live, when a friend challenges you to be like us, it's so much fun. It, 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 it pulls at you a little bit. I understand. I'm not distant from that. I totally get it. That's, that's a draw that we all have. I, I, I get it. It's not unnatural. That's not a wrong thing per se in and of itself. But my young brother and sister, where is your heart unified? When that parent, when that draw comes, what do you tell your kids? You got to do what you have to do. Hey, you only have this life to live. Go adventure, go wherever you want to go. Or is it remember Jesus Christ in your decisions? Remember Jesus Christ in your decisions. I'm not going to tell you what to do except for this. Be unified in your heart and mind with Jesus Christ. Be unified in your heart and mind with Jesus Christ. And then you'll be okay. Remember the words that the brothers shared at tent meetings. Even on Friday night with Brother Tim, the Lord did not die for love only. He died for a life, for your life. He wants all of it. When we do that, we'll be in one accord with him. 
You see, Jesus takes being unified with him as paramount to you getting into heaven. Did you hear that? Jesus says being unified in heart and mind with him, it's one of the things you have to do to get into heaven. Are you unified with Jesus Christ? Again, a litmus test for this is, are you united with him in the church? How is your church love, your love for the brethren, the body of Christ? How is that? I'm sharing that because it's a litmus test for you. How much do you love the church? How much are you sold out for the church? It's a litmus test for you to understand, am I sold out for Jesus Christ? Because it's hard. It's hard sometimes to be open and exposed. We all want to have some privacy. We want to be in and of ourselves. Don't push on me too much. Don't push on my bubble too much. Sometimes the church pushes on your bubble. Our brothers and sisters in Christ push in your bubble too much. And it can seem overbearing. But Jesus loved that. Jesus wanted that to keep us on fire for him, to keep us on point, to challenge us, to rub against us. Right, saints? We know a house divided will not stand. In the late 1820s, Abraham Lincoln would paddle flatboats down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. I was reading about Abraham Lincoln yesterday. I read this weekend that some of his feelings, that some people feel, some of the authors feel that his lifelong hatred for slavery had its start in the first-hand exposure that he saw of the slave trade in New Orleans. So he paddled these flatboats down the Mississippi to New Orleans, and when he got to New Orleans, he saw this despicable sin that was occurring in New Orleans, how people were sold, stripped down, beaten, and sold, and became property. And it was that start that many believed that Abraham Lincoln began to have this disdain and hatred for slavery. And the issue of slavery was a bitter root, saints, that grabbed a hold of a whole nation. The United States at that time was, was just grabbed a hold of slavery for pro-anti-slavery. The South was by and large, not all of them, but by and large, wanted their own profits from tobacco, wanted their own profits from, from cotton. So they, they, they bought these people to work for them and, and made, them, made them work all day in horrible conditions. They wanted profit. They, were, they wanted money. They, had, they saw an avenue to yield, to, to, to pick themselves up by putting others down. The North, by and large, again, were against owning people, thought that people should not be your personal property that people should be paid for the work that they do. There was this division. North, south, it wasn't agreeing. In 1858, Abraham Lincoln delivered a speech while accepting his party's nominee. He was, he was part of the Republican Party, and he was accepting the speech for president. In this speech, Lincoln proclaimed this, and he quoted Jesus, a house divided against itself will not stand. This is what Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln knew, and knew it. He was telling the American people, division will make us weak. He saw it. He saw that this divisive, even though it was sin that was happening with slavery, he knew that if this, if this goes on, one part of the country fights against the sin, the other part of the country does not fight against the sin, he knew the country could become very weak and vulnerable. Vulnerable to attack, vulnerable to losing the United States, if you read about Abraham Lincoln. Division made us weak. He knew we had to make a choice as a nation. Choose one or choose the other. Choose one. Be a slave nation or be an anti-slave nation. But being a mixture of both, we're going to be weak. Not doing nothing or doing nothing 
will fail as a nation. He provoked them. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Even though he lost a bid for that presidency that November, his speech began to influence this anti-slavery argument across the nation. When they heard him give that speech in that first attempt to win for president, it stirred up the nation to start talking about slavery. It catapulted it to one of the big things at that time, one of the big agendas for political uh, influence at that time. The next time Abraham Lincoln ran for president, he won. Lincoln knew the young nation could not stand on half-free, half-slave nation. Lincoln was quoting from Mark chapter 3, verse 25. Let's go there quick. And I want to share with you something neat that I found from here. I hope you're still with me, saints. Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says this. I flipped to the wrong mark. I flipped to Matthew. That's the wrong mark. There we are. Actually, let's start with verse 22. Some background. Jesus had just healed and cast out demons on the Sabbath, and the authorities were outraged with him. They were mad at him. So picking up at verse 22, it says this, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. So he, Jesus, called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself, and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. You see, these men were proposing that Jesus was healing and casting out demons because he had some sort of secret alliance with evil. He had some sort of backdoor connection with Beelzebub. Hey, if you do a little work for me, I'll show some power through you. So they were accusing Jesus. That's a real big insult to Jesus, amen? That's a real big insult to Jesus. I suppose Jesus could have said, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? But you know what, saints? It wasn't his time to do that. You know what? Honestly, that would have fallen on deaf ears. They would have only become more angry with him. He knew it wouldn't work. I guess he could have put up the dudes. You want to fight? Say that one more time. Say it one more time. I'll punch you right in the mouth. You know, that's not Jesus' way either. He wasn't going to put up dudes. He got offended. Saints, it's a lesson for us. We get offended. Maybe putting up dudes isn't our first option. Just something to think about. You know, he didn't want to put up the dudes. He simply could have ignored them and walked away. I'm never associating with you ever again. He could have done that, but he didn't hear. He clearly called them over to himself. Let me talk to you. Instead, he points out the logic, right? Pastor Brian always says, follow the logic, right? Follow the logic here. Jesus did. He calls them. He says, boys, actually... That's a really offensive comment, but come here. I'm going to tell you something. Satan cast out Satan? Think about what you're saying. If his kingdom is divided against itself, it won't stand. Just like if your house, I want you to think about this, saints. If your heart, your own individual self, if it's divided against itself, I want to do what Jesus does, but I want to do it myself. I want to love the Lord, but I know I want to do. I want to love the Lord, but I don't want to go to church. That's a division. You're going to have a hard time standing for Jesus Christ. Just like your family. 
If your family is divided, your nuclear family is divided, it's going to have a hard time. You have to point them to Jesus Christ. Finally, it says this in verse 26, if Satan rises against Satan himself, he will be divided. And look what it says, his reign will certainly end. If we're a divided heart, our time with Jesus Christ is numbered. Our days with Jesus Christ are only numbered. If you have a divided heart, if you want to live this way and live that way and not be unified in spirit, your time is numbered in Jesus Christ. Just like if you want to love Jesus Christ but not go to church anywhere, your time, with, your time attending church is numbered. You won't be at church anymore. And Jesus is not pleased with that. And here's the logic for us, saints. Jesus was teaching that even Satan won't tolerate disunity. Do you see that? Even Satan, with his demons and his cronies and his makeshift group of fallen angels, tells them, you will have unity with me. And they all line up. Even Satan knows that having a divided heart will cause his mission to fail. Jesus taught us that if Satan knows, if evil knows that being divided will cause them to fail, how much more does that fall on us as Christians? If evil knows that being divided, they will fail in their mission. Saints, we must know that Jesus taught us that if we are divided, if we are divided in our own individual hearts, if we are divided as a church, we will fail in our mission. We will come short. As the Bible says, a candlestick could be removed. We do not want this. Amen, saints? You know, that decision, being, being evil, Satan knows, saints, that decision that Abraham Lincoln made, the United States can't live divided, and as a nation, he made a choice to, to uphold freedom, that decision dearly hurt this nation. A lot of hurt happened in this nation. I believe still to this day, the Civil War, more Americans died in the Civil War than in any other wars that America has been a part of combined together. More Americans died. There was definitely a hurt. There was definitely a war in heaven when Satan was rebelled. Do you remember that? There was a war in heaven and Satan was kicked out. There was a tearing in heaven, a separation in heaven, in a way a hurt in heaven when Satan had to be removed. But God and all his power and authority knew it was worth the fighting for. You see, God and his spirit are about power, but he's also about love and unity. Heaven made a choice to separate from a bitter angel. Heaven said, bitter angel, get out of heaven. Get out of here. It's worth the division. It's worth seeing the flaw. You may see, well, I thought God was perfect. I thought he created everything perfect. There, there's a flaw in Jesus. There's a flaw in God. God says, it's worth seeing that flaw. Why is it worth seeing that flaw? So we learn that anything that disrupts us from the unity of him, it's worth it. Abraham Lincoln said it's worth it to stop slavery. It's worth it. This evil thing, this sin that's happening in this nation, it's worth fighting for. There was loss. And I want to share with you, saints, every time there's a tearing, every time there's a removal, it hurts. When you have to separate from a friend, it hurts. It tears at you a little bit. But who do you love? Who are you passionate for? Bitterness causes roots and troubles and defies individuals. Bitterness stiff arms unity. Hurt can stiff arm unity. Being afraid to, to tear, to pull off the band-aid, if you will, can stop the healing process. I can't, no pastor can place or instill God's divine love or unity in you. 
I can't do it in your family. I can't do it in this congregation. By me or any godly person, just teaching it won't make it happen. It comes by the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in Romans, the love of God has been poured out on your hearts by the Holy Spirit who he gave us. Now I'm going to challenge you. We have, I know I ran a little bit. I know it's noon. Can we challenge you for a few minutes? If you don't have the love of Christ in you, maybe you're filled with a little bit of frustration, anger, hurt. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe in some hearts, sin still reigns in you. Can you take the time right now to tear it apart? Pull off the bandaid? Pull off the bandaid? Take time now to see Jesus Christ? We'll sing one song. Maybe you have a heart divided. Maybe your house is divided. Take heart. Know that healing may hurt, but it will come. Jesus Christ is leading you by his spirit. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. David said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. He is a redeemer, saints. Jesus is a restorer. He's a restorer of relationships. He is a family man. He's a family God. Family is defined by Jesus. If the love of the church has been far from you, take time now to ask Jesus to win the battle of your heart, that your heart and mind can be unified with him. If the Spirit is speaking to you this morning, I want to urge you, I want to challenge you to respond to the Spirit. And this is why. Because not only will it help your work life and your family's life, but it will help this church move on in Jesus Christ. For a house divided will not stand, and the mission won't be done. God is good. So if it's on your heart, we'll sing one song this morning. Please respond. Thank you, saints, for being patient. I know it's a little bit late. God is so good, though. It's okay to be provoked to serve Jesus with all our hearts. Amen? Put your trust in him. Love him and see what he can do. The church to love him, be unified with him, see what he can do with us as a church. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to the future. I hope you are too. Heavenly Father, we want to do our best for you. We want to be used by you, Lord. We know that a divided house won't stand. Even your enemy has taught us this. Help us to be better than your enemy, though, to not only not be divided, but also not to turn away from you, to serve you with all of our hearts and, and all of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great night. Remember, there's baptisms tonight. If you want to be baptized, come and see me.